Hello and welcome to the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. If you have any questions or just need some prayer, please feel free to write to us through our website at thelatterrain.org. You can also find all of our written and audio messages archived there. If you wish to hear our English audio messages, they are available for free as podcasts or iTunes. Just look for us in the Apple iTunes Store under Podcasts as The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. There are many people that are focused on finding their place in this world, especially because they want to be a part of something special. Ultimately, most, if not all, human beings strive to become part of something special, part of a family, of a group of friends, of a team, of a studio, of a company, and so on. Yet even though all those things can be good things, and they can even be considered blessings, what about becoming part of something that transcends this world and takes us into eternity? Everything in this world will vanish someday, including us. But God's kingdom is eternal. And the great thing is that absolutely everyone can find a place in God's kingdom, in something that is eternal. Please stay with us for the next few minutes as we look into God's word and what it has to say about this. Let us take a moment to pray together to the Lord so he can guide us and help us understand his word as best as possible. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, hallowed and glorified and exalted be your name. For yours is the kingdom and the glory and the praise and the majesty forever and ever. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you please forgive my sins and my wrongs, Lord God. I pray, Heavenly Father, now, Lord God, that you may please help us to understand your word. Guide us to your word, through your Holy Spirit, Lord God. Help us, O Lord, to understand, O Lord, eternal things and their value. Help us to understand that your kingdom is truly the greatest thing that there could ever exist and that you want us to be a part of it, Lord God. I give you thanks and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be reading today from 1 Chronicles chapter 24, verse 1 to 19. This is the word of the Lord. Now these are the divisions of the sons of Aaron. The sons of Aaron were Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. And Nadab and Abihu died before their father and had no children. Therefore Eleazar and Ithamar ministered as priests. Then David with Sadok of the sons of Eleazar and Amalek of the sons of Ithamar divided them according to the schedule of their service. There were more leaders found of the sons of Eleazar than the sons of Ithamar, and thus they were divided. Among the sons of Eleazar were sixteen heads of their father's houses and eight heads of their father's houses among the sons of Ithamar. Thus they were divided by lot, one group as another, for there were officials of the sanctuary and officials of the house of God, from the sons of Eleazar and from the sons of Ithamar. And the scribe Shemaiah, the son of Nethanel, one of the Levites, wrote them down before the king, the leaders, Zadok the priest and Amalek, the son of Abiathar, and the heads of the father's houses of the priests and Levites, one father's house taken for Eleazar, and one for Ithamar. Now the first lot fell to Jehoriab, the second to Jediah, the third to Haram, the fourth to Zerim, the fifth to Malchijah, the sixth to Maginim, the seventh to Hakas, the eighth to Abijah, the ninth to Jeshua, the tenth to Sekaniah, the eleventh to Eliashib, the twelfth to Jacob, the thirteenth to Hopah, the fourteenth to Jezubiah, the fifteenth to Gilbah, the 16th to Immer, the 17th to Hezer, the 18th to Habazus, 
the 19th to Pethahiah, the 20th to Hezekiah, the 21st to Jachin, the 22nd to Gamal, the 23rd to Laliah, and the 24th to Maziah. This was the schedule of their service for coming into the house of the Lord according to their ordinance by the hand of Aaron, their father, as the Lord God of Israel had commanded him. As we read in today's key passage, we saw people that found their place in the service of the house of the Lord. If we focus in a little bit more, we read of names of individuals, actual people that were assigned their spot, if you will. This is one of the main things that makes our faith in Christ so special, that God relates to each of us individuals or personally. Every single one of us is important to God. And what God looks to do, especially through the death and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ, is to have a personal, intimate, and genuine relationship with us. He wants us to know Him like He knows us. The Lord is a very personal God. We are not a number to Him. He does not look at us as only as a group. He knows our name, our identity, and probably a bit intimidating, He knows what we are even thinking and feeling all the time. And here is where we see the relevance of this passage because there are actual names of people. And so, when we come to Christ, we find a place in God's kingdom. And as we become part of God's kingdom, there's something special for each one of us to do. We're not meant to be floaters or to be idle or just to be as some suppose erroneously. Some people think or take belonging to Christ as becoming God's spoiled children, and that is far from the truth. God made us with a special purpose in mind, and there is a lot to do as part of His purpose. The good news is that if you are someone that does want to belong to something special and does want to do something for the Lord as a natural feeling that occurs in those that have been truly born again in Christ, rest assured, God has an incredible and unique purpose designed just for you, and He wants to fulfill it guaranteed. The problem that we have is that there's so much to do and not enough people to do what is necessary because, again, of misconceptions or rebellious attitudes and so on. Luke chapter 10, verse 1 to 3 tells us this. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. And so there aren't enough laborers. And that's why the burden is many times difficult to deal with. If every believer in Christ did their part in the world, this world would actually be a very different place. It wouldn't be perfect, but it would certainly be a much better place with far less need and, of course, a whole lot more love. And we will look at this specifically later on. And another thing we must keep in mind, because the world is a dark and sinful place, it will not be easy. That's why he said that he sends us as lambs among wolves. But relax. We may be sheep, but there may be ferocious wolves out there. But we have someone on our side that is mightier than all of that. So definitely no need to panic, especially since our eternity is secure in his hands. The other thing to bear in mind is that the when you start serving the Lord doesn't necessarily really matter in terms of when you responded to his call. It is always better late than never. But as it pertains to you, as soon as you hear his prompting, I would encourage you to get going quickly because you don't want to miss out. 
Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 to 16, explains to us His goodness and that He has a spot for us no matter when we start. For it says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. And again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went about and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about eleventh hour, they received each a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. It is not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things. Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few chosen. And so God will be good to all of us who choose to serve him, no matter when we start. But we are reminded at the end that there are few that listen to his call few chosen, which means that even though there may be people serving, that doesn't mean that they are doing it for the right reasons or that their heart is in the right place. History always teaches us that there is a remnant, a small group of people that in fact do God's will the way it needs to be done. Nonetheless, when you choose to serve God, you become a part of his body of believers. You're not alone. Even though there are not many of us, we're sprinkled around, if you will. You won't be alone, and we're supposed to support each other as the family in Christ we are. We are interdependently a part of each other. We were not designed to be islands, and now through technology, we can connect with people at great distances, not only in our immediate surroundings. This ministry is a testament to that, where many of you tune in on a regular basis in North America, and South America, and Europe, and Africa, and Asia, and Oceania. We are a widespread body of Christ followers throughout the world in every place and every single one of us are a part of each other and every single one of us has a definite and important role in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 20 to 31 puts it like this. But now indeed there are many members yet one body and the eye cannot say to the hand I have no need of you nor again the head to the feet I have no need of you. No, much rather, these members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our presentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, and there should be no schism in the body, but that members should have the same care for one another. 
And if one member suffers, all the members suffer for it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gifts? And yet I show you a more excellent way. We all have different functions and roles in the body of Christ, and we all need each other in one way or another. And the world needs for us to do our part because that is the only way that a dark and evil place will be able to see the light of Christ and find the answer to life itself like we once did. Each and every person found Christ through someone else, whether it was through a preacher, a pastor, an evangelist, a neighbor, a friend, a family member, and so on. People need people. And so we are God's vehicle to reach the world through the work of the Holy Spirit and the counsel of the Holy Bible. But if we exercise our function in the body in order to do it fully or rightly, we need to do it in a certain and precise manner. The Apostle Paul told us toward the end of the last passage we read that we should desire earnestly the best gifts, but that he was going to show us a more excellent way. And immediately after that, we find what our focus should be, the reason for why we do things, and that is love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us this, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that is which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Love should be the reason for why we do everything. And we just read the way that love behaves, that it suffers long and is kind, that it does not envy, that it does not parade itself, that it's not puffed up, that it does not behave rudely, that it does not seek its own. In other words, it doesn't look for, for its own things, that it's not provoked, that it does not think evil, that it does not rejoice in iniquity, but rather that it rejoices in the truth and, of course, the truth of God. And finally, that love is something that is everlasting. 
If we look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 25, we read that love is part of the fruit of the Spirit, where it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The only way we can practice true love, and of course all of the other things that come with the fruit of the Spirit, is that the Holy Spirit is living within us and actively working through us. This is the fruit that Jesus spoke about that would reveal whether a person is in Him or not. And this is the reason for why we need to be careful with sin in our lives. Even though we have been redeemed in Christ and forgiven, we need to remember that we are still very much susceptible to sin and that we need to conquer our own sin through the work of the Holy Spirit and the washing of the Word of God. God is working in us, but we need to submit our members to Him. That's why it means to live in the Spirit and to walk in the Spirit. When we surrender to Christ, it means that we have crucified the flesh, that we have made a decision to leave the desires of the flesh behind. We will still sin, but over time and through submission, it will gradually become less and less. That's why there should be a great change in a person's life when they first come to Christ, because they have understood what repentance and conversion means in their life. It can never be business as usual. God entered the picture. God entered their life, and through the very fact that they have repented and converted from all their sins and effectively asked Jesus to be the Lord of their life. That is how we start to find our position in the body of Christ. We become a part of the body of Christ when we choose to belong to Christ. That is the only way that it can happen. And now, if a person has joined the body of Christ and does have great aspirations of becoming what God wants for them to be, the Bible teaches us that we need to look to learn and fulfill God's word in our lives. And of course, the motivator must be love and nothing else so it can happen the right way. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 18 to 20, it tells us this, For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. The way that we become great in the kingdom of heaven is by doing God's word and sharing what we have learned and applied with others. True greatness before the eyes of the Lord is leading through example, just as Christ did. Christ did everything and taught it to us. Otherwise, we'll just become vain and empty religious people. The famous, do as I say and not as I do. There is no life, no spirit if a person does not do those things that are written for us to do. The Word of God has provided to us the instruction for our very lives. So we don't have to guess what God's will is, that, that it's just right in the pages of the Bible. And finally, Jesus also taught us that what should happen if a person looks to become a person of authority within his people. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 to 28 says this, But Jesus called him to himself and said, 
you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Here is where many fail and have completely misunderstood what true service in Christ means because they erroneously turn the things of God into the way the world works. And of course, because they want to take advantage of other people. We have the example of Jesus Christ, of God himself, that although he was and is the most exalted Lord, he came to serve us in the most humblest of ways and to even die for us so that we could be saved. There is no room for fancy cars or big houses or lording over people when you come to serve the Lord. There is certainly no room to take advantage of other people's good intentions either and to use the cross and the word of God as a tool for ambition and for profit. It is not a place to exercise dominion over others for self-gain and self-realization. If we are to serve others, we are to become Christ-like. And that is what becoming part of God's kingdom is all about. Although belonging to certain things in this world may not be bad, and as we said in the beginning, they may even be blessings from God, but the things of this world only last so long. This world is a temporary place, and to add to it, a very fallible place, because of sin, both our sin and the sin of others. We have an eternal hope through Christ, and that involves being part of His kingdom, of something that transcends this world, that is eternal and perfect. And so, Jesus taught us to consider more working for Him than for ourselves, because that within itself allows you to become part of something ultra-special, but much more profitable as well. Jesus said this to us in Matthew chapter 6, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But however, you always need to keep in mind that in order to become part of the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. You can only enter God's kingdom through the means He has given by repenting and converting from all your sins and effectively making Jesus Christ the Lord of our lives. In order to belong to God, we must hand over our lives to Him and do what He tells us to do. Then, and only then, can you come to form part of God's eternal kingdom and find the great and wonderful purpose He has in store for you. He loves you and He wants great things for your life and for those that surround you. God has nothing but good and eternal intentions for your life. I urge you to not just believe in Christ, but to follow Him faithfully every day because there is nothing else like it. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Lord, I praise you and I worship you, God, because you created us with a purpose with a reason to exist, Lord God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and for your grace and for your mercy. 
because Lord God, you are ultimately the purpose, your will, your ways. And Lord God, what could be better because your will and your ways is what opened the way of salvation to us. The only way that we could ever find eternal life is through Jesus Christ. And your ways, your will is what opened that opportunity for us. You opened the gate through your son, Jesus Christ, by sending him to die for us, by making him do something that, Lord God, it was, it was our place. It was not his place. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy and for your grace and because you want us to become part of what you're doing. Lord God, I am, I am fully aware that through your word that your will be done no matter what happens, no matter whether we're a part of it or not, it will happen. But Lord God, you look to make us a part of those great things that you want to do. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that. Help us to understand that ultimately we will find our completeness, that we will fill the void of our heart and of our life through your son, Jesus Christ, and through the purpose that we find through him. Heavenly Father, I pray for each person that is listening and that if they don't know you yet as their Lord and Savior, that they might be able to do so, that they might be able to find the peace that they need, Lord God, and that can only be found through Jesus Christ, through the forgiveness of sins, and through ultimately you as God and Lord to live within their hearts and in their lives. Lord God, again, I give you thanks for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Please feel free to join us again next time as we continue looking into God's Word together. If you would like to write to us, you can do so through our website. Our web address again is thelatterrain.org. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.